Today on Stick to Football, we're going to break your weekend down with a little scouting spotlight. Six, nine players, excuse me, nice players we will be watching this weekend. Of course, you get a blind review for a game that no one will be watching, Dolphins at Jaguars, and then our pick six, where we pick six games for the weekend, of course, in your draft on draft. Questions to end the show, gentlemen. Welcome in, Mello. I know because we sit 15 feet from each other every day. You are as excited as anyone in the world right now because the SEC returns on Saturday and the Big 12 returns on Saturday with conference play. So this is one of those weekends where if you have a wife, a girlfriend, if you have obligations to someone, maybe you're the girlfriend and your boyfriend is like, I want to go to a pumpkin patch. Tell them, hell no, I'm watching football all weekend. We did that shit last weekend. It's my turn to just exactly. sit on the couch and watch all of the football on Saturday. Obviously, Matt, you are correct. I'm very pumped about this weekend of games. Uh, last weekend, like we started to get into some good games. The weekend before that, there was some nice little games here sprinkled in. This weekend, it's the real football. We get good matchups at every time slot. You know, over here in the central time zone, 11 o'clock, it kicks off and there are a ton of good games. And when we were planning to do this show, you know, Mello, you brought up the idea of doing scouting spotlights. And and when you said that, it, it made me go through the entire schedule, not just the games I was already excited about in case I missed anything. There's even more than I thought. This is like the first time where you go through the college football schedule and you're like, wow, this is a real slate where there might actually have to be some hard decisions on the screens at certain time slots, not where it's like, all right, how do I get Central Arkansas on for the fourth time right. this month or something like that? No offense, Central Arkansas fans. I do respect your program. But, yeah, we're excited today to go through some players that, quite frankly, we can't wait to watch. Yeah, and it is hard to pick the screens, Connor. You're right. Mello and I have a setup where we have, like, two big TVs, and then obviously you can throw in iPads and things like that. And it's like, even for this weekend, like for us, 11 o'clock, it's like, okay, you want to watch K-State at Oklahoma? It's a good game. Oh, wait, Florida plays Ole Miss. Got to watch that one. Shit, Kentucky plays Auburn. Got to watch that one. Uh, Louisville plays Pittsburgh. Got to watch that one. And it's like, I wish Buffalo Wild Wings didn't just suck so bad because you could like, in Joplin at least, that's like the one spot where you could go, like commandeer a wall of TVs basically. Be like, hey, can we get one game on each TV and you can kind of watch and go through and have a feel for what's happening? Obviously, you can't scout four or five games at once, but have a feel for what's happening. Uh, but I am a little saddened by the lack of a good setup and I this don't, weekend. I don't know if it's all Buffalo Wild Wings. They're not a sponsor, so I feel like I can speak freely here. I don't know if it's just the one in Joplin that sucks so bad, but its quality is just its terrible. Connor, if you ever get like constipated... It, or just need like a cleanse, you know, like you're going to the beach, you want to rock that eight pack that you have. And it's like, I need a good old cleanse. And you don't want to juice because you're not a Kardashian. Come to Joplin, go to Buffalo Wild Wings, cleansed. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah. And and I will, I will definitely, people ask me all the time. They're like, oh, you know, you can go there for the games because, you know, they're, they're in New York. I am not a fan at all. The, the food everything pretty much so uh i guess that's the bonus there is that you could literally just clean yourself out pretty good right if you need ruin to. your day but well we were even talking about going there and just watching the games like oh well we know we can't really get the wings there because they're not good and they will make you sick but then i was even like you know the last time we were there that the beer was gross too it tasted like the taps were dirty they or don't clean the taps their cups yep, weren't clean go. so it's like i can't even just go there and watch the games and drink the beer it's a great idea 
Execution, very poor. I think we need to just open a sports bar because, you know, that's profitable. And, you know, <laughs> especially uh, right now. Right. Yeah. They're a great time here. <laughs> well, so we live in an area where uh, our governor uh, just found out that he has COVID. We have no restrictions, Connor. That's right. At and all. he doesn't even believe in uh, mandatory mask wearing indoors, Correct. right? Correct. Correct. Uh, so the only restriction we really have is your kids have to wear a mask to school. That's it. That you want to go? Wow. You want to go stand in a bar with four hundred people? Go for it. Have oh, fun. how the turntables have turned! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So Big Twelve comes back, but also the SEC finally kicks off this weekend, guys. Uh, and I—that's what I'm most excited for. Because, like, yes, Texas plays Texas Tech, Oklahoma plays Kansas State, but seeing SEC games again, there are, I believe, eight, seven, or eight SEC games. And like that is probably where a lot of my attention is going to be. Even though like Florida at Ole Miss, it's like you're really getting excited for that game. Well, I am actually because I don't know if you guys remember who Ole Miss's head coach is, but it's going to get crazy. Also, I want to watch Kyle Trask and Marco Wilson. But that 11 o'clock game on ESPN is going to be very good. It rolls perfectly. 2.30, Mississippi State, LSU on CBS. And then 6 o'clock, Alabama is going to kill Missouri at 6 p.m. on ESPN. So your SEC slate... I think that one's pretty easy to figure out where you're going to go. And like you said, sprinkling in the Big 12 coming back. Like, they were on idle last week. They gave everybody the bye week. But now getting these in-conference matchups where they're real ones. And even, you know, Louisville and Pitt, I think that's a sneaky good matchup that we'll talk about later in the show. But just so much good football to watch. It is going to be a hard time to to be involved with every game that's going on, especially at that 11 o'clock hour like you talked about. There's just so many good matchups with ranked opponents going up against each other. I'm getting a little too excited about it. Hey, I do want to ask this because we travel a ton, and the three of us, well, Connor lives in a different time zone. Uh, which time zone is for, for football? I feel like the East Coast is probably the best because you can get some stuff done. You know, like so games kick okay, off so at for noon college. For you. Yeah, for yes, college. I agree with that. The NFL, no, but I, I definitely agree with you on college. I think one of my favorite things to do, and it's a shame obviously it, it won't exist this year, is I used to love Saturdays of watching college football all day. I would try to go out on a Saturday from like eight to eleven, come home, a little tipsy, and turn on Pac twelve after dark. That was the best thing ever to close your night with now Sundays I don't agree I think the East Coast is not good for NFL time zones yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking too and like some of these late kickoffs that happen on the East Coast it's like how do you guys stay up that late to watch all these it's games? terrible you have to work the next day that's where it's like I think that it's got to be either central time zone or mountain west because you wake up maybe have to wake up a little bit early but games aren't going on late into the night but I, I don't know. What about West Coast, Best Coast? I mean, you have to wake up early is the only thing. Yeah, as you're waking up early, like from the get-go. If you want to watch college game day, you're waking up at like 6 a.m. Yeah, it's not, not happening because I'm probably going out Friday night, you know? So it's like, right? yeah. And I love it. I love watching the pregame shows too, but at 6 a.m.? Like I get up at 8 a.m., my body just knows, hey, 7.45, you better wake up. But waking up at 6 Mm, probably not watching that one. You need to DoorDash those supplies for the Frito Pie from Casey's. You can do that now around here. I don't know if you were aware of that. I just stay stocked. Okay, good. Attaboy. <laughs> uh, let's get into the scouting spotlight. Players that we will be excited to watch this weekend. We each picked three. Uh, I'll go with my first guy. Someone I've been talking about a little bit this week. 
on Twitter or on YouTube. That's Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. They're going to take on Army this weekend, guys. I am excited to see what he can do. Uh, the body type is the first thing that uh, that really stood out to me. And they played Austin P last week. Like you can't you can't get a great read on a guy's ability to like you know how is he processing? How's the trigger? Is he seeing the whole field? But physically. He impressed me. 6'4", 215. I, I wrote down in my notes, like he's like a more athletic Jared Goff in terms of build. And I saw him shoot the ball 65 yards. I overthrew his receiver. So I think the arm strength is there. I want to see him play a better defense to see what type of total field passer he is. So I'm not like trying to hype Desmond Ritter, you know, necessarily as, you know, a, a riser. But I do think he's a, a potential sleeper at a position where we're waiting to figure out who that next guy is. And I think that he's a junior, too. So Richard he's junior, even a yeah. guy that could come back next year. Getting that matchup against Army is going to be good. Uh, I'm going to go running back heavy today because I really love that position. And Zamir White out of Georgia is a guy that I've been waiting for. And I think that, you know, he's kind of been waiting, too, to have that breakout season. With the way Georgia plays, we've seen him a little bit. He was injured, banged up as a freshman, had to redshirt. Last year, he gets involved, but obviously, DeAndre Swift was the guy in that offense. I think this year, we're going to see Zamir White and probably Cook uh, a little bit as well. But I want to see what he can do against this SEC matchups. I think that he's a guy that we could be talking about as a second-round running back. I think he's still a little bit of an unknown, but this was a highly recruited running back coming out of high school. He's just been waiting for his opportunity at Georgia. Now in his third year there, I think he's finally going to get it. I think that after Saturday, we're going to be looking and being like, oh my, Melo told me about this guy on Stick to Football. He was very impressive. Looks like Todd Gurley out there wearing that number three for Georgia. Maybe I'm kind of a little biased because I love the way that number looks for Georgia. But I do think that this running back at Georgia can have a breakout game. And he's going to be a guy that we are talking about seriously in the spring for, you know, if he comes out a top running back in this class. I love that one, Melo. Former five-star that just had a slow start and kind of had his hype derailed because of injury, like you said. And that's just a running back factory at this point where if you know they believe in the player, recruited the player, and the talent's there, expect really big things. All right, my first one here is Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU, the wide receiver who... The spotlight all of a sudden is just on this guy, right? I mean, Justin Jefferson, you know, leaves first round pick. Jamar Chase opts out, going to be probably a top 15, top 10 pick. Terrace Marshall, as LSU's number three wide receiver last year, had 13 touchdowns. I I mean, yeah, it's not shocking because Joe Burrow had a historic college football season. But this guy makes plays. He goes up and wins the football. He's dangerous after the catch. He's got a big body, 6'3", probably over 200 pounds now, muscular frame. Another guy that was a really big-time recruit. I mean, not that long ago, he was the number one prospect in the state of Louisiana. So this guy's big time. And I know that he's gotten lost in the shuffle early on because, hey, that guy Jamar Chase, he's pretty good. That guy, Justin Jefferson, he deserved to be a first-round pick. But now, the spotlight's on this guy, and I think he's going to dominate this year. I'm almost ashamed that we didn't talk about him enough over the summer when we were so focused on all the guys that were opting out. That's just what happens. But if you want to watch a receiver on the field that can play his way into round one like Justin Jefferson did last year, it's Terrace Marshall. I know they are excited. I reached out to them when Jamar Chase uh, opted out and was like, "Uh, you guys going to be okay at receiver? Like, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna be okay. I mean, you're LSU, so yeah, you're you should be fine. 
Uh, Terrace Marshall, also Racy Mc, uh, McMath, another one of their receivers. I wonder, before we move on, I wonder if they're actually going to play Derek Stingley at receiver this year. That's one thing that they talked oh, about last oh, year oh. is that he was going to play corner. And then in his sophomore year, they were going to allow him to have some reps at receiver. So that's another thing that's kind of a storyline to watch. Uh, obviously, Stingley's not eligible for the draft this year, but he is a guy that could come in and see reps at receiver for LSU. Well, Charles Woodson. Yep. Action there. Yeah, so those LSU receivers, definitely, definitely worth watching. Number two for me, I said that Alabama was going to kill Missouri, and I do believe that firmly. I want to see what Missouri linebacker Nick Bolton can do, though. Like, you want to test? Go tackle Najee Harris 20 times. You know, like, they're going to just pound the rock. I think Alabama will, even with those great receivers out on the edge. I don't have him as highly ranked as... I know when I did a mock draft, people were like, where's Nick Bolton? I was like, ah, I don't I don't have him top three rounds right now. But I am intrigued by him and, uh, enough. Six foot, 231. Uh, I like the the way that he could play as that Mike linebacker. But just not maybe not enough to be in that top tier. But against Alabama, he's got a chance to show himself. And this is what I want everyone to do is because I did exactly this. I want you to go to Google right now. If you're driving, maybe pull over and do it safely because we all know you're on your phone anyway. And just do a quick Google of Nick Bolton. Whoa. Because the thing that comes up, there's obviously another Nick Bolton in the world. I want to see what this guy... <laughs> Thanks, Mello. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> I want to see what the linebacker from Missouri, Nick Bolton, can do. He reminds me a lot, just kind of prelim preliminary scouting, of Devin Bush. Just that thick, kind of short linebacker that has good athletic ability. Uh, but I'm with you on that one. I do want to see what the linebacker from Missouri, Nick Bolton, not this other fitness guy, not can do. Fitness guru. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Alabama game. I'm going with an Alabama corner, but not the one that I'm in love with. I'm going with Josh Job, the other corner, not Patrick Sertan, the second. I think that Josh Job is a guy who's kind of been buried on the depth chart as well, kind of like Zamir White at Georgia, but hasn't really had his opportunity to shine, and a lot of the focus has gone to other members of the defensive back crew. I think that Josh Job is a guy that can shine and really step up this year for Alabama, getting to go against some of these elite, you know, talented receivers in the SEC. I think that he's a guy to watch for, and another guy that we're going to be talking about later in the season of uh, how did we how do we miss this guy throughout the year? Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him as well because all the hype obviously goes to Sertain. There's going to be some good corners on day two that come out of nowhere this year, and and that's the next guy I want to talk about. South Carolina's Izzy, it's Israel, but Izzy Mukwamu, Mukwamu. I want to make sure I got that right. I looked up the pronunciation guide. But the South Carolina corner, I mean, he's built like Brandon Browner, guys. Like 6'4 corner, probably going to make a transition to safety, I think, at the NFL. But, hey, if he could stick at corner, then great. He's got ball skills. He's a really, really good tackler. And I'm not saying throw him at safety because, hey, he's too tall or anything like that. Or I think he's stiff. I just think his skills will transition really, really well there. Uh, they're obviously, I believe, big. They're underdogs, not big, but underdogs against Tennessee last time I looked. And this is a game where he, he's taken over games before by taking away the football in the air. I know he's done it to Georgia before. So I'm looking forward to watching this guy. This corner class is looking pretty, pretty deep, and he's another name to throw into the list. Last guy on my list. Apparently, I went linebacker heavy today. Didn't even plan to do it. And I want to start with a hot take, guys. Jabril Cox is the best linebacker in college football. Now, I can say that because Micah Parsons opted out. But Jabril <laughs> Cox, who transferred from North Dakota State to LSU, is the best linebacker 
in college football. And we are going to see that starting this weekend. It's going to be on display against Mississippi State. Kylan Hill is a very good running back there. I'm excited to see what Mike Leach does with this offense. But Jabril Cox will be locking things down in the middle. He is a first-round prospect all day. I have him ahead of Dylan Moses. I have him ahead of Pete Warner. I have him ahead of uh, your boy Wu at Notre Dame Mellow. He is, in my opinion, the best linebacker in college football right now. And he's a guy I haven't got to watch yet. I know that he's a transfer from North Dakota State. I haven't turned on the film for him yet. I know there's a lot of high praise, and him going to LSU is going to be very exciting. I'm going to stick with that game. I think that we can probably just say that's the game to watch this weekend, Mississippi State versus LSU. I'm going with Kylan Hill. I love the way he ran the ball last year in that offense, but guess what? This is a brand-new offense this year. I think we're going to see how well he can catch the ball out of the backfield or in Mike Leach's offense, we might see him lined up out at receiver, but he's a guy that I want to watch because I think that he has a lot left. Uh, kind of coming back with a chip on his shoulder to Mississippi State and saying, why wasn't my name up there and as highly in the draft as some of these other running backs? I'm coming back. I've got something to prove. And I think he can do it against LSU, who is missing a lot of starters. Obviously, they bring in Cox, who is new to this team. But I do think Kylan Hill is a guy who can have a very good Saturday. Right, let's stick right there and go with the quarterback and KJ Costello. And everybody knows that name, right? Obviously, the transfer quarterback uh, now going to be playing in an air raid where I think he could have some big numbers this year. But I'm looking at Costello more out of curiosity rather than expectations. Like when I look at Terrace Marshall, Izzy Mukwamu, like I think those guys are going to be pretty damn good players this year. With Costello, He's been all over the place, had a good start to his career, then gets hurt, and he's had some some low points. I think this is a good landing spot for him to put up huge numbers, and if you do that in the SEC, everybody's going to be talking about you in the quarterback class. So I'm excited to see the kind of strides Costello can make under this coaching staff in this new program, and with a talent like Kylan Hill, I mean, that's only going to help you. Yeah, it is going to be fun. You guys let us know who you're going to be watching. Uh, write it down. Let us know. Don't actually don't do that. Tweet it at us. Leave it in your Apple Podcast review. Uh, Mello, it is time, though, for your blind review. Yeah, my goodness, fellas. Am I excited about this one? <clears throat> Fitz Magic versus Minshew Mania. It's the shitty overgrown beard versus the weak-ass overrated mustache. This is the biggest tank battle since World War One. The only thing that can make this game more interesting is if the losing quarterback has to shave. That's what I think should happen. Uh, I'm really tired of the facial hair. Or maybe we let an actual Jaguar hunt a real-life dolphin. That's something that I'm going to pay to watch. I don't know if I'm watching this game. We're recording on Thursday night. But things that I do know are facts about Jaguars and facts about dolphins. Fellas, did you know that Jaguars are excellent swimmers? Most big cats, afraid of water, not Jaguars. The word Jaguar actually translates to he who kills with one leap. Well, fun fact for you. Jaguars are the third largest cat in the world, biggest cat in the Americas, the third largest cat, the only ones bigger, Detroit Lions and Cincinnati Bengals. And even, wow. yeah, see, there you go. And just like in the NFL, Jaguars will soon be extinct from the Americas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> More facts, because I can keep going. Dolphins. Man. Dolphins are a highly social, smart, agile, aquatic mammal. Most people mistake them for belonging to the fish vertebrate class. They're not. They're mammals. They give birth to live young. Did you guys know this is a, a question for you? What is the largest species of dolphin? Uh, don't look. Don't, I don't know. 
Connor, you got anything for me, bud? No, I got I got nothing. I'm about to blow your mind. It's an orca. An no. orca whale is actually a dolphin. <sighs> Things you didn't know before today. And then you know what, guys? I didn't fucking watch this game last night. I just spent the whole time watching uh, Jaguars and Dolphins on YouTube, so I don't know anything <laughs> about this game. Uh, I'm guessing that the Jaguars probably played well. Minshew goes like 18 of 24. They win the game. I am actually excited for this game because I like the Jags' defense. And, like, so I will pick the Jags to win. Mello gave you, a like, a what, National Geographic <laughs> review, I guess, today of things. Um, but I do think that I think the Jags have won this game on bad blind review. The Jags win 19 to 13. I think those edges, Caleb on chase on and Josh Allen, they absolutely went off there. Shout out to Gardner Minshew, uh, almost 300 yards passing Jaguars cover, which makes my pockets happy on this very small line. And you heard Mello say Jaguars notorious for the one leap kill. Sorry, Dolphins. I feel like that's a blind review people are going to have to go back and re-listen to to catch all. It's like when you watch a funny movie, you got to watch it twice. <laughs> You're going to have to watch it twice to get all the jokes. Pick six time. This is where we pick six games for the upcoming weekend. Sprinkling in a little NFL and a little college football. Let's start with the NFL. Houston Texans at Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers minus four. I'm taking the Steelers and the points. I think they cover. And I'm right there with you. I do like this Steelers team. Man, the Texans just got the worst draw on the schedule. I know we talk about like the Ravens and how they got an easy look. The Texans have to play three of the toughest teams in the AFC. I think it's going to be a tough look for them. I love Deshaun Watson. I just don't know if they can get it done. Uh, I'm going to take the Steelers and the points on this one. Yeah, I think this game is going to be closer than, and I agree, the Texans, man. Oof, talk about a tough, tough start. It wouldn't shock me if the Steelers win. I think the Texans can at least cover in this one and maybe pull off the upset. I just have some questions about right now the Steelers' pass defense a little bit. I know this defense is a great unit, but we've seen some questionable uh, you know, performances at least where some quarterbacks that, that aren't necessarily the best have some success throwing against them. Deshaun Watson's going to be a really tough test. I think my concern is that Steelers' pass, ru- pass rush should have a field day against the Texans, but I do think this game will be close. I'm going to go with the Texans uh, taking the you know plus four here. Ooh, there we go, mixing it up this week. All right, how about Cowboys at Seahawks? The Seahawks are favored by four and a half. Coming off of both teams, coming off I think an emotional, high energy game. The Cowboys come back over the Falcons. The Seahawks holding off the New England Patriots. I think it actually helps Seattle. They don't have to travel this week. I'm picking the Seahawks to win, guys. I think the Cowboys cover. Oh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I I think the Seahawks are going to win this game, but I do think it's close. I think the Cowboys have enough firepower to keep it close. I'm saying Seahawks win this game in three. Uh, The spread is four and a half right now, so I don't think the Cowboys will have a problem there. Yeah, I'm taking Cowboys spread as well. And and once again, I actually do think this is a game the Cowboys can win. Uh, Really, really like the spread, though, notably. That's a pretty big line. I'll say this. Dak Prescott, only two passing touchdowns on the year. I know the yardage has been there. This is a game where he's going to have three to four passing touchdowns. This will be the this will get Dak back on the MVP spotlight again after this one, while Russ's just continues to shine. And Russ, I actually saw, is right now the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. So thank you, Peter King, for your story about how Russ has never got an MVP vote. You have guaranteed he will win the MVP. And Belichick, too, coming right. out and being like, hey, put some respect on this guy's name. I feel like if it. you can, like, throw 50 bucks on Russ to win MVP right now. Or not now. Damn it. Never mind. He's the favorite. Yeah, the odds are 10. Yeah, never mind. Two weeks ago, if you put 50 bucks on this guy, 
you'd be you'd be living well, living well. All right, Packers at Saints. This one shocks the hell out of me. The Saints are favored by three, and I know that's your traditional home field advantage bump. Guys, I don't see any way the Saints can score with the Packers, not with Drew Brees' arm looking like mine, Michael Thomas hurt, and the entire offense revolving around Alvin Kamara, while the Packers have really the defensive front seven to keep pace with a guy like that. Maybe the best pass rushing duo in the NFL, Rashawn Gary starting to come on. I think the Packers win this, and I think they cover quite easily. I'm all over Green Bay this week. I am too, and I was really surprised to see the minus three line for the Saints. I think the Packers are the favorite in this one, and the Saints just really did not look good. They're a team that I kind of flirted with as my Super Bowl pick even. I just don't see it anymore, and without Michael Thomas, I do wonder how much that offense can do against a very good defense in Green Bay. Uh, I think the Packers win this one outright. I was going to say, even if you have your doubts, you're getting three points. <laughs> Green Bay all the way in this one for me. Michael Thomas is not back at practice yet. You could tell how much this team misses him right now, and we just haven't seen it from Drew Brees. Uh, this is Green Bay for me. Uh, here's the big one. Monday Night Football. Kansas City Chiefs, they have won eight straight regular season games versus the Baltimore Ravens, who have won 14 straight regular season games. Now, obviously, the Ravens lost in the playoffs, where it actually matters. The Chiefs uh, ripped through the playoffs with comeback wins, taking home a Super Bowl trophy. But guys, the Ravens are favored by three and a half points. And the Kansas City offense has not been sharp thus far. I mean, we've seen them have to come back last week against the L.A. Chargers. They did get the win in overtime. Even week one against the Houston Texans, they just have not been. I would say they haven't been that high-octane offense that we expected. Maybe this is the week that changes. Probably not against Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, though. I am taking the Ravens to win, Mello. I'm sorry, and I'm taking the Ravens to cover. I think they are the best team in the NFL right now. I think you must be high if you're picking against the Kansas City Chiefs, Matt. This is the best team in all of the world. This is the best player in all of the world. I'm just kidding. I'm right there with you. I'd love to be the Chiefs homer here, but I'm going with the Ravens. I don't think that they cover the three and a half. I think we see a shootout, fellas. I don't remember the last time I was this excited about a week three regular season football game. I think we're going to really see a great shootout. It reminds me of like the Ravens or sorry, the Rams and the Chiefs when they played a couple years ago and they just kept going back and forth on offense. I think we're going to see a very good football team. Winner of this team has to be a Super Bowl favorite. They're probably going to be on top of all the power rankings. I do think that it's going to be the Ravens for a lot of the reasons you said, though, Matt. Kansas City looked like shit last weekend. Let's just call it what it is. You should not be playing games that closely into overtime against the Los Angeles Chargers, who have a rookie quarterback. Now you have to go and stop Lamar Jackson. Good luck. And as a Chief fan, I hope this is a wake-up call for them because they did not play well last week. They're going to have to play perfect this week. Uh, I have the Ravens, but not covering the points. Yeah, Ravens for me. And, and I, yeah, it would be surprising if they did cover this line, but I don't know. I, I think there's at least a chance. I, the Chiefs' defense right now has me a little concerned. And they're the type of team where – even on their worst days of their defense, Pat can elevate you and the offense can elevate you. And the defense is more opportunistic, which is that's championship football right there. But I think the Ravens right now are just rolling on all cylinders. They got to prove it in the playoffs, Baltimore. But during the regular season, I think they got this one. Yeah, that's that's the game to watch, though. Like Monday night, you should be there. And I, I actually think even though there's like playoff baseball about to start, uh, I don't know if the Stanley Cup will be over by then it probably will be um and there's like obviously basketball on but this should be the game like this should be what carries the weekend basically I know Monday Night Football usually doesn't but 
This one should be big. All right, two college games to finish off pick six. Number 24, Louisville, at number 21, Pitt. The Panthers are favored by two and a half points. I'm going against the the group here today, it looks like. I'm taking the Panthers to win. I've really fallen in love with that defensive line. We've talked about Rashad Weaver, Patrick Jones the second, But quarterback Kenny Pickett is able to get things done as well. I just can't trust Louisville after, I, I, I believe how they looked last week, maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, I, I'm on pit with this one, guys. And I'm going opposite. I do like Louisville in this one. I'm just, I'm in love with that offense and what Coach Satterfield can do with them. I, I do think they struggled a little bit against Miami, but I think they can rebound. Uh, I think they have enough firepower to beat Pitt. It's, it's going to be a great matchup, though. You look at that Louisville offense against the Pitt defense, that's really like must-watch game. If you're into scouting, college football, whatever it may be, that's the matchup to watch this weekend. I'm taking Louisville. I'm going with Louisville as well here. I know they're the underdog, not by much, but I like how explosive this offense can be. They did have some pass protection woes against Miami, and that, that's not necessarily going to get easier against Pittsburgh, but I think Louisville can score enough in this one. Yeah, it is going to be fun for sure. That's an 11 a.m. kick Saturday morning. And then how about this one? Mike Leach is in the SEC, and as weird as that is, it's going to be fun to watch. Mississippi State at LSU, the Tigers, Favored by 16 and a half. That is quite the spread. Guys, don't overthink this one. Even with the entire offense gone from last year, take LSU. 16 and a half points is going to be really tough for Mississippi State. They have a new quarterback there. They have a new offense. And that's why they are my super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts to bet my own money on. Mississippi State in an upset. They beat LSU. They're way overrated. Wow. Wow. That would be. Wow. I guess uh, from our scouting spotlight, KJ Costello is poised for a pretty big game. Yeah, that Colin Hill goes wild. for it's 370. Simple. Don't throw to Derek Stingley Jr. You win the game. <laughs> so I think LSU wins. I don't think I'm going to bet on the spread in this. Just because I don't know, right? Like, I don't know what this Mississippi State offense is going to look like right now. I, I, there's no guarantee that that's an easy spread to cover, but I do think LSU comes out and, and wins, and we get some of these uh, some of these young guys take advantage of their opportunity. I mean, a lot of five stars getting a step into starting spots for those Tigers. Locksmith game of the week came back. I forgot about it. Yep, surprise! I know, it was guys. like he pulped it out of his pocket. <laughs> he did. And it's been sitting in there for a year. I don't know. It was so <laughs> right? long. Blind review. Locksmith game of the week. Mello's playing the hits. I'm and drunk again. It's, it's working. During draft on draft, just the tip comes out of nowhere, and everybody ducks. <laughs> you know what? At this point, fuck it. That's the way I usually like to play that game. Anywhere, you don't even know it's coming, and then boom, you got it. Let's take a break and regroup. We'll be back with draft on draft. Pop that top, it's draft on draft time, and it's it's 9.40 a.m. on a Thursday. I kind of have a long day ahead of me, and I'm not going to lie, that sounds really good right now. Like uh, That might be like when you guys need to intervention me, but like <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad. I mean, when, I mean, just pour a little bit in your coffee. No one will judge. Yeah. By the time what? people listen to this, that. it's Friday. So. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's okay. uh, you know, it's Adam fine. Kramer's Twitter handle can't be kegs and eggs if beer and eggs isn't like a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just go get some scramby eggs and like it. God, I want to tailgate. So and bad. like a Budweiser. <laughs> I know it's starting to kill me. Like it's really starting to kill me that I sit here every weekend and not go places. Especially now that it's kind of cold in the mornings. Yep. You know, it's just like, uh-huh. man, 
I, I could have a hoodie on right now, standing out in a parking lot. It's like by the time we finish tailgate tour, it's like, fuck, I just want to be home. <laughs> but know. right now, it's like, God, get me the fuck out of here. I just right. want to go watch some football. So tired of Joplin. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It is. It is Wear tough. a mask. Wash your hands still. Please. Yeah. Uh, all right. couple questions from Riley Loveless. Great name. If the NFL were to adopt the style of college football awards, having an award for each position, which players would you name each award after? So I feel like like the quarterback award needs to be named after Tom Brady. And I know he's still playing, but I think the quarterback award has to be named after Tom Brady. That was my thought on quarterback as well. Maybe we just go position by position here. But with Tom Brady having all the rings, it has to be him. I think if we would have done this, you know, a couple of years ago, we would have named it the Joe Montana award. Right. But now I, I think it has to be Tom Brady, even though he's still playing. And then the Jerry Rice Award at receiver. Agreed. Yeah. Although it should be the Randy Moss Award. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, I mean, at tight end, like, you're probably going Tony Gonzalez. Or is that too recent? Do you need to go, like, Ozzie No, that's Newsom? fine. No, no. We're, let's not be old people here. Let's do, like, yeah. players that people I know. like Tony Gonzalez. I, I yeah. think that he kind of changed the way that tight ends I think were so. played. Like, Shannon Sharp, right. Tony Gonzalez. Like, oh, my God, these guys actually catch the ball. They can be our number Fun one fact, target. Tony Gonzalez much better than Shannon Sharp, though. On now, TV running well. back is where you can debate because, like, it should probably be Walter Payton. It should not but, be Emmett Smith, but maybe it's Barry Sanders. So, I, Matt, I was just going to say the exact thing you said. The only thing that concerns me is there's a really good Walter Payton award already. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's so, what I was it's the man too. of the year exactly. award. So, give it to Barry Sanders. Yes. Know? So, Agreed. I'm on board with that one. Yeah. Also, going there. Offensive line. Um, so, this is maybe like me being biased. I think it's Joe Thomas, the Joe Thomas Award. Yeah, I was even thinking like Jonathan Ogden, but I like the Joe yep. Thomas one too. Those work for Either me. Either one, I'm good with that. D line. Uh, so I'm a I'm a Reggie White guy when it comes uh, to D line. Yep, it's LT, right? So, oh, so yeah, man. Maybe you got to interior and outside. It's so hard with LT though because people are still like, oh, he played linebacker. Yeah, it's true. But I think yeah. that with the way the NFL is now, maybe you could be like. You know, like, let's just start calling them what they are. They're all edge rushers. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're standing up or your hands in the dirt. If you're, you're an edge. edge rusher. So, like, you could probably even say, like, defensive line, give it to Reggie White. Edge rusher, give it to Lawrence Taylor. Everybody's happy. Yeah. And then linebacker? Ray Lewis? <sighs> Not right. Can't. No. I can't. I can't do it. Derek <laughs> Brooks. It's a killer name for an award, though. <laughs> yeah, right? It's a killer name. Whoever wins it has to wear a white suit. <laughs> and the trophy is a knife. <laughs> no, not that award. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mike Singletary, is pretty Patrick good Willis, Patrick Will. I'd be fine with that. I just didn't want to say all Forty Nine er players. I just don't so, know if he played long enough. That was the question. Same with Luke Keekley. Great player, didn't play yeah. long enough. And I mean, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a I think problem. They made the best decision that they could for themselves, but I just I don't know that they played long enough to like get their name on an award. I just don't want the corner award to be named after Deion Sanders. It's my it's only. It's the Darrell Revis award. There we go. It's not even debate. I wouldn't name it after <laughs> Deion. And you know, I don't know how much we've even talked about. It. I hate this ploy and this stupid Jackson State thing that they're doing. I do too. There's no way in hell this guy's going to be a good coach. I liked Thank him you. as a player. I thought he was a shutdown corner. I don't even understand what's going on. Like his move to Barstool, being a head coach, how the hell are you going to do both of those It's a clown show. Yeah. It is. It's a clown show. For a university that Walter Payton played there. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this school matters. 
You yeah. know, it's not like, a bad football program. No, not at all. So no, Ed Reed's the safety award. Oh yeah, Darrell Reeves is the corner award. I'm, I'm good on board. That. There you go, Riley. Done. Great fucking question. Uh, okay, Joe Chichino. I'm gonna butcher that until you tell me how to say it, Joe. I'm sorry, buddy. Mahomes, Kyler, and Russ all have baseball backgrounds. So does Tom Brady, by the way. How does this show in their play? And do you think the type that type of experience will change how people recruit quarterbacks? Yeah. So yeah, man, that always ha- that happens. Like. I want quarterbacks who have played another sport, you know, and and at a pretty high level. Um, those three are the most obvious ones, but there have definitely been others. You know, sometimes we see those guys go baseball instead. Todd Hilton is probably the biggest name that that went that way, or uh, Joe, Joe Maurer, Maurer is another one. So I do think it plays in. Now, to answer your question, with Mahomes and Kyler and Russ, like there are times that they throw the ball. So let's think about Sunday. Mahomes throws that he's drifting right running not drifting he's running right and he throws across his body without looking to me Cole Hardman shooting across the goal line if that doesn't look like a shortstop throwing to first base to you like that's what I see all the time with these guys and and with those three quarterbacks especially that ability to run left or right and throw across their body and to alter their core to make that throw Hey, that's baseball. Like I think you learn that playing baseball where, okay, I have to throw to first base no matter where I'm at on this field. I got to I gotta be able to contort my body to make that throw. I, I think that you know you can say, like, I saw Brett Favre do that a little bit, but like these guys with that baseball background, I feel like that's what they're bringing to the NFL. Yeah, and I think with baseball too, I, th- I believe each one of these guys played a different position. I think Kyler was an outfielder, Russ, middle infield. Mahomes, I think, was a pitcher. I'm not 100% on those. I think some shortstop, too. Yeah, but I think think. that with baseball, you have to gather your feet very quickly, and you have to throw the ball pretty much where you field it, and I think that's what all three of these guys are able to do. Set your feet real quick, and it doesn't matter where your arm is. I can throw it at all different angles, and there's probably something to, like, long toss in baseball that is strengthening these guys' arms because Kyler is tiny. Russ is small. These are three of the strongest arms Pat's in the NFL. Not that big. He's he's not like a, you know six three two thirty. He's not huge. It's not Josh good Allen. size. But I, I do think that maybe long toss is something that if you know I want to play quarterback, I'm going to go to the baseball field and do that because I think it's strengthening arms. And then, like I said, quickly establishing your feet, chucking the ball wherever it's from with great power. That's what all three of these guys do. Yeah, I, I think the arm angles, I mean, listen, even there's something to be said about concentration and vision, right? Like from your approach at the plate, I mean, just there's a different level of focus that's required. And I think we see that the way Pat, Kyler and Russ specifically extend plays and are like calm yet chaotic. I don't know. You get, They're just a different level of athlete, right? Than like a guy... I, I hate I don't mean this in a bad way, but like look at Jared Goff, right? Like Jared Goff might throw the prettiest first read football in the NFL. And I really mean that on his first read. Goff makes throws that are as nice as anyone we've seen. But Goff is not the kind of guy that second and third read moving out of the pocket athleticism. That's not him at all. So I don't know. I, I think it is a really interesting conversation. I don't know if it's going to change the way people recruit and scout. But it is, it's an additional bonus, and, and you could see those tools uh, shine through in their game. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, you can acknowledge it, but I don't think you can search for it. Like, you can't That's be like, exactly. like, when people are like, who's the next Lamar Jackson? There isn't one. Like, there isn't one. Who's the next Patrick Mahomes? I don't think there is one. You know, like, it, or at least there's not one in the in the pool right now that we'd be like, oh, this guy coming up. Look at the up. gaps. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
the closest thing to Pat in my eyes, and I was very young when I watched him play, but I even went back to see, is John Elway. That's the closest thing. That's a big gap. What yeah. is that? 30, 20, 40 years? 30, yeah. I mean, like when they're drafted 30 yeah. years. Um, and then you look at Lamar, and I always say this, a lot of people go Vic, definitely, but he's better. Like yes. he's a he's a premium version of Michael Vick as a thrower, at and people go well. Vick got better under Andy. Yeah, and, he really didn't. And, but no, but like he, <laughs> he did was never a like little the bit. MVP. But Lamar's Lamar like twenty three, right. like and he's doing this. So, so yep. it's you're, it's it's crazy. You just don't find these guys. I feel like there's a lot of revisionist history with Vick where people don't remember like that team in Atlanta, especially. They should have been a lot better. But people figured out, oh, I'm gonna make him throw. Teams tried doing that to Lamar last year. He threw for like 36 touchdowns. He led the league in passing touchdowns yeah. last year. I, I am firmly, like, Lamar Jackson is already a better player than Michael Vick was, but Vick was on the cover of Madden, and he was unstoppable in like a pre-social media days. So we remember him as being better than he really was. Well, he was, yeah, like you said, he was everywhere. Like, you couldn't turn on the TV. It's like LeBron now. Yeah. You can't turn on the TV without seeing something about Lamar or sorry, Michael Vick. And then like the way that he threw the ball was just so effortless. I've never seen anything like it. His that arm flick. power, yeah, to just flick the ball and it could go anywhere. So I do think that's where a lot of people are like, oh man, he was so special throwing the ball. Yeah, it could get anywhere you wanted it to, but it wasn't going to do it accurately. And I think that is what was kind of the weakness in Michael Vick's game. Yeah, all right. Chad Clark, who's your favorite Swiss Army knife in this draft? So Chad, this is a good question, and I'll be completely transparent. So much of my time has been spent on seniors and opt-out players because those are the guys we know are going to be in this draft class, barring this weird extra year of eligibility thing. So I'm going to go with Jacoby Stevens at LSU. I, he could play down in the box. He could play safety, 6'2", 230. I think that, you know, we looked last year, like the type of player maybe that, like, Isaiah Simmons, but not that athletic. So maybe more like a Jonathan Abram, you know, kind of like a poor man's Jamal Adams. Like you can line him up a little bit of everywhere. Just don't ask him to guard Julian Edelman down the field. But like he, to me, is a defensive Swiss Army knife. And that was a guy that was on my list, too, to answer this question, just because he is so big. And with Isaiah Simmons last year, uh, we like tried to make him into a linebacker. Arizona's playing him even more like a safety. I think Jacoby Stevens can be that just big kick-ass safety that you want. Uh, in like a Jamal Adams type mold. For me, it's Jeremiah Wusu koromoa though, out of Notre Dame. I do think that he is that true Swiss Army knife. Uh, we were talking about him not too long ago. He looked a lot bigger this year. It looked like he put on a lot of good weight. His ability to rush as a, an edge rusher type guy, to play off-ball linebacker, to play safety, or they even do it like Isaiah Simmons where he will play some nickel corner. So I do think that he is a guy who is that ultimate Swiss Army knife if he decides to declare for the draft, he is only a junior, though. And I'm with you guys. Those are great examples. And to give a little bit of a different one of how sometimes a Swiss Army knife can can be a, a tiny dude too. Our Darius Washington on TCU is like five foot eight, one eighty, but he is a great ball hawking safety that I think can drop down and play cornerback as well, and, and can run with running backs coming out of the backfield. Just a chess piece yeah. defensive back that can cover pretty much every kind of player on the field not tight ends because he just doesn't have the size but ball skills great speed downhill uh that's the kind of player that teams are going to value because you just need cover guys right now look at how the patriots flood the field 
with DBs in today's NFL with so many teams just spreading things out? Yeah, no, that's a fun question. I like that. Let's more because it's an open definition, right? Yeah, like right. All we all pick so. defenders. Like no, there's not. I don't think there's that offensive guy this year. Like maybe Brevin Jordan, where you're like, ah, like you could yeah. move around a little bit. Yeah, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, but there's not that ends. receiver that you're like, oh my god, like. Let me throw you in the backfield a little bit. Like you're gonna play all over. Like I feel like this year's receiver class since Rondell Moore opted out, well, unless he somehow gets back in, it's like I wouldn't say it's boring because it's good, but it's a little cookie cutter. Like you're not getting, you know, there's not a a Henry Rugg, like a Lynn Bowden, yeah, or Lynn yeah. Bowden, yeah, or you know Tyree Kill. There's not that type of player. Uh, okay, Justin Bodfield wants to know. What team would Sam Darnold be traded to? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and for what price if the Jets? Or to pick at number one. So we actually talked about this on our, our local radio show uh, earlier this week. Melo, you were out that day. I badly want to see Sam Darnold on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I do not think the asking price would be that crazy. So if I'm the Steelers, I would call the Jets and say like, hey, we'll give you James Washington and a second round pick. And I feel like the Jets have to really entertain that offer. I mean... I I agree. Number one, number one, the landing spot's perfect. The Steelers yeah. make a ton of sense. Even if Big Ben wants to play another year, you know, Sam could sit. Whatever it may be, this might be like a Teddy situation where you're you're taking a year off to sit behind a pro and you know kind of gather yourself. Which Sam might need that by the end of this year. Honestly, the price is fascinating to me. I I I think a second rounder. I I think that would be a good haul for the Jets, right? Like, he's a broken quarterback right now. I'm sorry. I want Sam to be great, and he has all the talent in the world, but the Jets' lack of development with him, I guess the argument you could make is if Josh Rosen went for a two, Sam Darnold goes for a two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's I, what I was looking at. I don't think you can sell him as, like, this refined quarterback. I, I It's going to be a all. project, or like you said, Connor, no broken quarterback. He's, he hasn't produced, and I know – uh, Jets fans and people will say, well, look at what he has around him. I know, like, I get it. He was my QB one, but he hasn't produced. So I do think that a landing spot, maybe in a Pittsburgh or with the Indianapolis Colts, where you have some aging quarterbacks and you're going to need to move on. If I'm one of those teams, I would definitely explore hey. uh, for a second round pick. Yeah, because it could be a, you know, a Ryan Tannehill situation, a Teddy Bridgewater situation where Sam Darnold moves on. And then we all realize, holy shit, this guy's actually a really good quarterback who we all thought he was all along. The other team that makes so much sense to me is the New Orleans Saints because like Breeze yep. is done, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Jameis is the answer. And I think Taysom Hill will always be a little bit of a, a utility player. Like the Saints are going to be picking we would assume late in their round, you know? And like, so you're not going to be able to get one of the top three quarterbacks. It's like, why not take a chance? Sean Payton. Like, I think Sam would be great for Sean Payton. I think so too. So like, those are my two favorite fits or uh, Connor, if you and I become general managers of this team, my offer stands, I would give you Jimmy Garoppolo for Sam Darnold (laughs) straight up. Oh, man. And I would sit and pray that the Jets have Trevor Lawrence by that point. But <laughs> right? I mean, what a sellout I've become on this. But yeah, it's, that's where I'm that's at. So, so Niner fans are mad at me again uh, because it's a Still? new day. Because I like we're in a survivor. And why? We're in a survivor league. Right. And so you can only pick so many teams or whatever. And I was like, I'm actually considering picking the Giants this week. The Niners are incredibly banged up. The Giants are at home, and like I think there's something to that fear of that turf. Like that turf monster is a real thing. It's like I'm considering the Giants. Niner fans are like, why don't you just get off the bandwagon? It's like I, 
Just saying, I think they could lose this weekend. <laughs> I think they could. Nick too, Mullins though. is starting. Yes, right. Like exactly. your Mullins is starting. Bosa's well, out. Thomas is out. Kittle's probably not going to play. And I do think that they, it is going to be in their mind, like you said, the turf monster of just being unsure the entire time that you're on the field after you lost so many guys the week before. Like so you're going to be timid. I don't think it's like a. It's not even like a slap in the face to the 49ers. It's just kind of like a fact. You're missing five or six guys that you're going to need. They could be upset this weekend. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I did not pick them, though. I just want to <laughs> change my mind on that one. Uh, everyone on Twitter has asked this question. Uh, congrats to all like 12 billion users. Could we see Matt Stafford traded? And what could the Lions get in return? So first question, could he be traded? Um, yes, he can be. Uh, there is actually a potential out for the Lions uh, 2021. So if you trade Matt Stafford and designate it so like a, a pre-June 1 trade, you are saving $10 million against your 2021 cap. Now, there is a $24.8 million dead cap hit. So you can you can trade him, right? It's financially possible to do it. What do you get in return for a, how old is Stafford now, 32-year-old quarterback, he's probably almost 33, who's coming off a back injury. Um, I think if you traded him in season, you're not getting as much as if you trade him off season. Because I do think there's a chance we could see Drew Brees retire. There's a chance we see Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, we're going to probably see, like, we could see some teams with young quarterbacks realize they're not the guy and move on. So I feel like the demand is going to be higher if you trade him after the season, I mean, he's only the eighth highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now. I would say he's not playing like the eighth best quarterback in the NFL, but could you get a first round pick this offseason for him? I do think you could get a first round pick for Matthew Stafford. And then maybe like, you know, you throw in a, a third round as a, a kicker. Probably, you know, you'd want it to be conditional based on him playing all 16 games, things like that. But I think you could get a future three. So like a 2021 first rounder. 2021 second rounder and maybe like a solid starter like I mean we saw Sam Bradford get traded for a first rounder so that's like and I know it was a while back and that's not a great bar to base this on but I think you could get a first for Stafford long way of I think that. you could and even like teams that we mentioned before the Steelers the Colts the Saints all of those teams are gonna be looking for well probably looking for a new quarterback like if Big Ben just says you know what actually I'm done I'm, I'm this is my last year I think that could happen Steelers are not going to want to rebuild with a young quarterback. The Colts did it this year and pretty much said, we are not ready to rebuild with a rookie quarterback. I think that they could go after a veteran like Matt Stafford or even the Saints, like you said, give up an end of the first round pick, hopefully, if you're the Saints. For Matt Stafford, yeah, you bet your ass I'm on board for that. Try it out, see if it works for you. I think there's still a lot left in the tank for Matt Stafford. And honestly, I just want to see him on a good team. Like, I'm sorry to our Lions fans. It's just not working out there. And I, I put this one in as everyone on Twitter because so many people were asking about it. And they would even phrase it as, it seems like the Lions are going to fire the head coach, fire the GM, get a new quarterback in there. What can we get from Matt Stafford? I do think that's a really good possibility where you're looking at replacing all three of those positions at the end of this year. What do you guys think of this one? Denver Broncos. Oh, if if Drew Locke doesn't become... Like, say Locke comes back week, what is it going to be, like eight, and you just right. don't see enough, but you love your roster of what you've put on the table, but you feel like you want some security and a veteran at quarterback. And Elway likes those veterans, like making that move for Peyton also, Manning like before. Also, Stafford is like the Mercedes-Benz version of Drew Locke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, is. Drew Locke's a Buick. 
and Matt Stafford's a, yeah. a Benz. Like, they I, both I, have leather seats. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that like even the Broncos didn't really want Drew Locke. It just happened that he kept falling to them. So they eventually were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. You're here. It's 1.30 and the bar's closing. Let's go home. I, I think that was the deal oh, with the Broncos. So maybe, you know, they're looking at Matt Stafford and thinking, hey, you know what? This is, this is our first option. It's 9.30. Let's go talk to Matt Stafford. Man, it would be interesting. I love playing off season in in the middle of September. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, it's fun. Shit, I really like it. That's what this pod's built on. Well, let's uh, right. let's keep that going then, because last question this week from our guy Andrew Magnuson: Play matchmaker and pair future NFL head coaches with future NFL quarterbacks. So my favorite one is Greg Roman with Trey Lance. Greg Roman oh, uh, with Lamar Jackson right now. Mm, chef kiss. <laughs> Also, I think Brian Dable, who's with Josh Allen, uh, that goes with Trevor Lawrence. Like these exactly. things fit together, which leaves, and I don't hate this one, Justin Fields and Eric Bieniemy. There you go. Done. That's the uh, answer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> I thought about this it. driving Emmett to school today because uh-huh. I saw this question on Twitter and was like, yeah, that's easy. <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. not, don't overcomplicate this. Yeah. And I hope all three of those guys get head coaching jobs, by the way. Yeah, they should. They really should. Uh, also, you know, let's weaken those great teams in Baltimore and Buffalo and Kansas City. Like, let's let's give yeah, everybody I mean, really else does. a chance. I think Kansas yeah. City will be fine. Yeah, like, they'll I, be fine. I yeah. really hope Eric Bieniemy gets a head coaching job. I think that he's done enough and he deserves it. I don't think that it's going to work out though. You know, it's a little bit of scout the helmet. With it, this. I think it's a lot of that, and I think a lot of people want to try to give Bieniemy credit for Pat Mahomes, but Bieniemy like. He's probably not running much of that offense. He was He's a running, running back coach. Any of that offense. Like, yeah, so this is a, oh, I'm going to try to get Andy Reid's guy, and hopefully he can bring that offense over. I don't think that's what you're going to get with Eric Bieniemy. I, I hope he stays or comes back to Kansas City after his head coaching stint is done, but I, I don't know that I'm going to love that as a head coach. I just feel like when you look at Matt Nagy, and I know Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring, uh, but like, Andy Reid's coaches have not done that good. It's the Belichick like defensive coordinators. Yep. Like his son is probably going to be a head coach in the next three years, and I don't know if he's going to be good either. Like you, Romeo Cornell, and all those guys that went through there. I just because you're on a really good system behind a head coach doesn't mean you are going to be a head coach that's very successful. So we'll see what happens. I do think that Eric Bieniemy has done enough that he should be getting head coach nods this year. He probably should have gotten more last year. Probably going to move on at the end of this year. Yeah. All right. There you have it. Uh, Connor, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. There's an <laughs> Adam Gase protest. <laughs> it's today at one o'clock. There's a fire Adam Gase protest. Uh, please wear a mask and practice proper social distancing measures. But they are protesting outside uh, Florham Park today. Yeah, don't think I'm going to make that one. But uh, I got a pretty busy calendar. But man, I'm excited to see the pictures of it and, and just so like none of our listeners go this was on thursday so you're yeah, a day late. you missed it yeah, yeah don't show up to one jets drive <laughs> <laughs> there won't be anyone there i don't even think the jets practice anymore so there literally will not be anyone there <laughs> oh great times any jets fans in london you can protest the u.s embassy that's where your owner is go for it have <laughs> fun you, you have my permission yeah, right do not get shot i don't know how they are in england about protest uh just be careful uh have fun you guys have a great weekend we'll be back tuesday morning with all kinds of fun football notes including our top five takeaways from ello for congress matt we'll talk to you guys real soon